Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. I recently had an interesting conversation with a trumpet player who described an unusual strategy that he used to help students overcome technical roadblocks in their playing, specifically in situations where a student might be struggling to hit a note consistently because they couldn't quite figure out how to get the dozens or hundreds of little muscles involved to do the right thing at the right time. Rather than focusing on honing or refining the correct mechanics, he instead would ask students to play things the wrong way essentially to demonstrate all of the technical what-not-to-dos in that particular moment. Oddly enough, students would often go from being unable to hit the note to being unable to miss the note. The counterintuitiveness of this strategy really intrigued me, so I was curious to see what I might be able to find in the research related to this. Like, is this some sort of weird fluke, or could this really be a thing? A team of Italian researchers recruited 34 male golfers at various levels of skill to participate in a study comparing the effectiveness of two different types of instruction on improving their swing. A third of the golfers were randomly assigned to training group A, another third were assigned to training group B, and the remaining third were assigned to a control group. Everyone began with a little warm-up and then took seven practice swings, hitting a golf ball into a golf net two and a half meters away from the tee to establish a baseline level of performance. The golfer's swings were videotaped so that there could be some qualitative evaluation of their swings by a PGA coach. But the quantitative side is a little more interesting here, as the researchers also measured A, the speed of the club head at impact, and B, the speed of the ball immediately after impact. Next, the golfers performed six training swings, where on swings one, three, and five, the coach provided specific feedback and technical instructions on how to modify their swing, while on swings two, four, and six, the golfers were simply asked to swing freely and do their best with no specific instructions. Those in training group A, the amplified error group, were given instructions that essentially involved exaggerating the primary mistake the coach identified in their swing. 
For instance, if during the backswing, the golfer shifted their weight to the rear foot so much that their front foot lifted up onto the toes instead of staying flat on the ground, the coach asked them to lift their front foot off the ground completely while performing the backswing. Those in training group B, on the other hand, the direct instruction group, were given feedback and specific instructions on how to fix the error. So, for instance, if the golfer in group B made the same mistake of lifting their front foot off the ground just like the golfer in group A, the coach would make a note of this to the golfer and simply tell them to keep their front foot flat on the ground during the backswing instead. Golfers in the control group weren't given any feedback or instructions, but simply told to do their best on every swing. After completing their six training swings, golfers performed seven more swings where they were simply asked to do their best to see if the training led to any improvement in performance. And to see how much of their practice translated into long-term change, the golfers were asked to come back a week later where they performed 20 last swings with only the instruction to do their best. So was there any difference in the two types of instruction? The short answer is yes. The direct instruction group, given tips on how to address their swing errors and swing more correctly, increased club head speed 1.26% and ball speed 1.37% from baseline to the test immediately after training. And from baseline to the test one week later, there was an improvement of 0.08% in club head speed and 1.37% in ball speed. And yeah, these numbers are going in the right direction, but the improvements were not statistically significant. The amplified error group, on the other hand, who were taught how to exaggerate the things they were doing wrong, increased club head speed 4.22% and ball speed 7.5% from baseline to the first test. And they managed to retain their performance gains one week later also, with an improvement of 4% in club head speed and 7.48% in ball speed from their baseline performance. And these numbers were statistically significant. So that's kind of weird, right? Especially after such a short practice session. Yeah, and keep in mind that this was a relatively small sample of golfers. But why would exaggerating errors, basically doing something even more wrong than you were doing it in the first place, result in any improvement in performance? Isn't that like the exact opposite of how things should work? Well, when you think about it, any time we play out of tune, miss a shift, or chip a note, it's a sign that we've made some kind of movement error. But even if our teacher tells us exactly what we're doing wrong and how to fix it, changing things is often easier said than done. Because even if we know we're squeezing our thumb or clamping down with our chin or tensing our wrist on an intellectual level, once we start playing again, we may not be quite as aware that we're doing these things on an experiential level. Kind of like how my kid often thinks he's chewing with his mouth closed, but unfortunately, he's not. Indeed, previous research on error amplification suggests that exaggerating the error makes it easier to see exactly what happens when you do something the wrong way, and that it also helps you feel the impact of the error more vividly when you do it blatantly wrong on purpose, as opposed to when you're doing it slightly wrong, but largely out of conscious awareness. This contrast seems to be part of what helps you get better at avoiding the particular movement error in the first place, and almost intuitively finding a more effective movement pattern instead. The researchers note that there are a few key things to keep in mind when trying this learning method. Key thing number one is to identify the main error. 
So whether through video analysis of your own playing or through feedback from a teacher, it's super important to identify the main mechanical error that is causing the problem. Like you might be squeezing your thumb and your shoulder might be scrunched up, but the main error that's causing a big shift to end up flat all the time may be related to the scroll of your violin pointing too far down and to the right. Key thing number two is to really exaggerate the error. It's important to really, really amplify the heck out of the error so you can feel the difference between what you were doing and what the really wrong version feels like. And key thing number three are the free trials. So remember how the golfers were given a free swing with no instructions between the swings where they were instructed to exaggerate the error? Turns out that these free do-your-best swings are also important. Because when you perform these free trials, you should see an improvement in performance relative to your performance before exaggerating the error. If nothing changes in the free trial, it either means that A, the error that you or your teacher identified wasn't the main one causing the issue, or B, you didn't amplify the error enough to really see and feel a difference. If you think it's the former, you can go back to the video take a closer look to see if there might be a more primary or fundamental error that's causing the problem and try again. Or if it's the latter, just repeat the passage, but this time really amplify the error up to 11. So speaking of turning things up to 11, every summer I used to resolve to turn my practicing up to 11 so I could make a ton of progress, enter a bunch of competitions in the fall, and really set myself up for the kind of year I thought I could have first few days would go great, but then I'd eventually lose steam and my practice habits would go back to their regular uninspired levels. It was pretty frustrating, and in hindsight I think a lot of this was because I thought everything would work out if I could just will myself to put in more hours. Whereas the real problem was that I didn't know what effective practice looked like, which is why practice felt like an effective uninspired busy work, and I also didn't have any sort of structured plan. So every day was just more of the same. Didn't really feel like it was building up to anything, which is kind of demotivating. So if you have some big auditions or competitions or performances coming up in the coming year that you'd like to feel really prepared for, I'd like to help you make the most of your summer months and avoid getting sucked into the summer practice blocks. To that end, Met Opera percussionist Rob Knopper and I are running a live online eight-week summer audition bootcamp, which begins on May 6th. It's pretty intense, with weekly homework and exercises, videos, live sessions, mock auditions, and more, but it'll give you a whole set of proven practice and performance tools to experiment with, plus a rigorous three-phase process you can use to prepare for any audition, competition, or performance. Regular enrollment ends in a week on April 28th, but if you'd like to snag a couple of bonuses, early bird enrollment ends today, Sunday, the 21st, at midnight. To learn more about the bootcamp, go to bulletproofmusician.com blog and look for the green bar at the top of the screen, which will direct you a page with all the details. 